theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Somebody's already been healed. You're going to suddenly realize it maybe when you get home today. The Lord has touched you. There is a powerful atmosphere here right now. And I know that we say we raise our hands in submission and surrender to the Lord. But I think there's something else to it. When there's an atmosphere like this, you're actually extending your hands into the presence and power of God. It's like an electric shock that reaches and begins to flow through you. And if you have faith, God will touch and do something for you right now. You don't have to wait for an altar call. You don't have to wait till halfway through the message. God's ready now. Whenever you're ready, He's ready. Hallelujah, let's give Him some glory. Believe him for a miracle now. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, what a surprise. I think that's the biggest check I've ever had. (laughs) Thank you so much. I promise you we're going to use that for the glory of God's kingdom to see the most possible people one to the Lord. During one four-year period of time, for every $10 that was invested in Pakistan, somebody came into the church. We saw 48,000 people receive the Holy Ghost in four years. God began to move mightily, and uh, we're going to take this and invest this wisely. I want you to know that. Praise God. What a privilege to be with Pastor Sister Akil. We appreciate so much what they are doing. I believe they have caught the same spirit that drew us to this city. They have the same burden, the same vision. Uh, he's a little more high tech than I am. <laughs> uh, well, we didn't even have cell phones in those days. That's an appendage that everybody has grown since. The human race now has a new appendage. It's called a cell phone. <clears throat> and uh, we didn't have those in, in our days. But uh, uh, we did cover every street in this city and put uh, announcements or advertisements on every door in Mississauga the size that it was at that time. And I believe that seeds were sown and that uh, God is going to bring it to pass through your pastor and his wife, through this congregation. You're all a part of it. We're living in the end time. The very 
end of times and what's happening in the world today in Ukraine and what's happened here in Canada in the last little while is an indication that the Lord is coming soon. But we are the generation upon whom the ends of the age or the world have come. We are the generation, not Paul, not Abraham, not David or Daniel, but we are that generation. God has placed you and me here for in this time, in this place, to reach the world. And he has equipped us. He will give us what we need to get the job done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So good to meet brother and sister Resar here this afternoon. Uh, I had heard of them. I didn't realize uh, who they were, but uh, I'm so glad to, to meet them. They have been in Asia, and anybody that goes to Asia, we just love them. 60% <laughs> of the world's population lives there. Every major religion in the world started there, and uh, yet probably fewer believers are in that part of the world. But God's going to change that. I've asked the Lord for a billion souls in the continent of Asia. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. You may be seated. I would like to ask Sister Sean to come for just a moment and to say a few things. Uh, the Lord has anointed her mightily as well. This could be rather anticlimactic after <laughs> my husband's introduction. Praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, my goodness. It's really awesome for Brother Sham and me to be here with you today. Uh, talk about going full circle. <laughs> We've gone full circle. And this church is called Extraordinary Church. Well, I want to tell you that Brother Sham and me, I, we have had an extraordinary life. And um, the only hesitation that I had when God was calling us into missionary work overseas, the only hesitation I had was, how am I going to leave our people in Mississauga? <laughs> how are we going to leave those little chicks that have just hatched, those people that need a shepherd? How are we going to do that? Well, God took care of all of that. And here we are today with a wonderful church full of people that love God and that just filled with victory, filled with vision. Amen. It's just so encouraging for Brother Sean and me. Well, I wrote a book, and um, you don't have very many opportunities to buy it, so today is an opportunity for you. The book is called Alan Was Away. Um, Alan and I got engaged on December the 2nd in 1971. In January, he went away for three months. Uh, he came back to Canada. He went to India. He came back to Canada, and um, we got married. No, no, no. He came back to Canada to, for us to get engaged, and then he left with his family and went on deputation. And uh, our wedding date was August 12. He came back on August 10. And um, <clears throat> I had a baby just before we became missionaries. And um, 
he was around for that, but right after that, I went into the hospital to have gallbladder surgery, and we had an appointment in Philadelphia to meet the general board for our missionary appointment, so he stayed long enough to make sure I survived the operation, and then he went away. He went to conference, and that's kind of been the story of my life, and so I wrote a book <laughs> called Alan Was Away. This is not a story of our missionary career. It's not about starting churches and all of those things. This is the story of being a missionary from the perspective of a wife and a mother raising children in a very hostile environment and miracles that God did for our family, things that we went through, victories that we had, and um, wonderful experiences along the way. So it's got a little different flavor than most missionary books that you'll read. Um, people have told me that one minute they're laughing their heads off and the next minute they're on the floor crying. So um, what, whichever way you like it, it's got a little bit of everything in it. And they are, I have some with me today. They're at the back of the church. They are $20. You can pay cash. You can send me a, what do they call, not an e-transfer? What do they call that? Well, you know what I mean when I say e-transfer. You pay through my email or you can write me a check. We do have one of those squares that Brother Shaw used to sell carpets, but we haven't got it set up yet in Canada, so you've only got those three options. Um, I would be happy to sign a copy for you, and I would love for you to read about it, because I think when you read about what God did, it will inspire you to know that you can face some really difficult things. We were in a country that's 97% Muslim. 97%. And uh, we had a lot of terrorism. My husband sat across in a restaurant at the next table to Mr. Osama bin Laden. So um, we, we know a little bit about difficult things that God saw us through. And when you read this, you'll know that he can see you through as well. Amen. God bless you today. That's the commercial break. And now the man of God is going to come back and minister. God bless you. Praise God. I do like to read. One advantage of the uh, pandemic was uh, we weren't allowed to move out of our house. For 10 months, the farthest we went was 7 kilometers. That was to see the doctor. When you're 70, you have to do that once in a while. But uh, we, we did uh, uh, do that, so I had a lot of chance to read. I th I've estimated I've probably read 65 nonfiction books during the two years of the pandemic. And uh, Sister Shaw has written a very good book. I, I'm, I'm just, what I'm saying is I'm an expert on reading books. So <laughs> she uh, has written an excellent book, and I think that you will enjoy it and be greatly blessed by it. I do want to say quickly, for those of you, I noticed the Claxton sister uh, Jocelyn was there, and I don't know if Brother Webb and Sister Marvelin are here, a few folks uh, that uh, were in our original church. Some have scattered all over the place, and when we travel, we still see folks in different places. But I'm thankful they're still going on with the Lord, and that this gospel is alive, and it keeps us. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I will be honest with you. I struggled quite a bit to get the right message, but I believe God has given me what I'm supposed to speak. You might notice that I have brought a couple of books up here. These are all messages that I got during the during the pandemic. I had time to study like I didn't when I was traveling. And uh, the Lord did give uh, 
me some messages. I'd like you to stand with me as we turn in our Bibles to the book of Zechariah. We're going to read in Zechariah chapter 2. I'm going to read in Zechariah chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. The prophet said, I lifted up mine eyes again and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then said I, Whither goest thou? And he said unto me, To measure Jerusalem, to see what is the breadth thereof and what is the length thereof. And behold, the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him and said unto him, Run. Speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about and will be the glory in the midst of her. Lord Jesus, we thank you this afternoon for your mighty presence. I thank you for this group of people, Lord, that have given their lives to you. Your spirit and presence is here, and we're asking for the miraculous. We're asking for vision. We're asking for revelation. I'm asking that you would pour out of your spirit, that there would be healing accomplished in this place today. And now we ask these things in the name which is above every name, the name of Jesus. And let's give him glory before we're seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You may be seated. Ancient cities used to have thick walls built around them for protection. Uh, <clears throat> We lived in Pakistan for 30 years, and the city of Lahore had its very original beginnings around the time of Christ, very old city. Now, the fort was built in about the 1600s, but uh, the city was there for many, many years. And they had a thick wall built around that city. Um, it probably would be... Uh, a square kilometer, maybe one and a half square kilometers uh, in total. There are 500,000 people, half a million people that live within that area. Uh, we tried to drive our pickup through there one time and I ended up backing out because there was no room. They tell us that there are people that have lived 70, 80 years of their lives and have never stepped outside the wall one time. Their whole life has been spent within one and a half square kilometers. And so it was in the Bible days, cities used to have these thick walls to protect themselves from marauders that would come through, from invading armies. And maybe during the daytime, the gates would be open so that farmers could go out and work the fields. But at nighttime, everybody would come in and they would close the gates. There was a small part, a small door within the main gate 
that could be opened. It was called the eye of the needle. And uh, with that, people were able to go in and out of the city. But as I mentioned, these city, these walls rather, were built for protection. And uh, as we read in the book of, uh, of Zechariah, he said, I lifted up my eyes and looked and there was a man with a measuring line in his hand. He said, uh, <coughs> I asked him, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to measure Jerusalem to see how wide it is and how long it is. That's my purpose. It was an angel, and behold, the angel that talked with me, he said, went forth, and another angel went out to meet him. So a second angel came to talk to the first one. And he said to him, run, speak to this young man that's talking about the prophet, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. He said, the day is coming when you're going to see cities that won't have walls. Now that's common in Canada. A few people have fences up, but basically they're open from one neighbor. Sister Shaw and I bought a home, our first one that we're going to be living in, online. Hadn't seen it until about a week ago. We signed all the papers, and what a brother and sister McLaughlin did go and check it out for us. It wasn't quite that bad, but uh, 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 I did notice that there were no fences around. There were no walls because it's just open from one house to the next. And uh, so we see here that uh, the angel tells him that Jerusalem, the day is coming when Jerusalem will be inhabited as a city without walls. There will be no walls at all. Well, you say, but where is the protection? If you don't have walls, how are you going to be safe? You see, as a church, we build walls through our doctrine and our teachings. We build walls in other ways. Uh, some of them are good, some of them not so good. Sometimes we become a club. I don't feel that in this church. But I do feel that in many places that I go. They become clubs and, and well, on our deputation, that's when we travel to raise money for our work overseas. We have been in countless churches. You walk in and there's a few people standing at the back and they kind of look at you as though, who are you? What are you doing here? interrupting our little club. We tend to build walls. And we like to protect ourselves. So what are we going to do if the walls are taken down? How are we going to be safe? In verse 5, the Lord himself answered, For I, saith the Lord, will be a wall of fire round about and will be the glory in the midst of her. He said, you're still going to have a wall, but it's going to be a mobile wall. It's going to be a wall of fire, and fire can expand. It's not limited to one and a half square kilometers, but a fire can move rapidly, 
And when the Lord becomes the wall of fire surrounding us, we don't have to be afraid, but we can go to battle. We can go and take the gospel. It doesn't matter what culture you go into. It doesn't matter how many walls have been built up, whether it's the Great Wall of China or the wall that they built in Germany. It doesn't matter. The gospel goes across the walls. And we are protected by the spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. You see, John the Baptist said that when Jesus came, that he would baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He is going to be the pillar of fire that is around us. He's going to be that wall of protection that we need. And so the angel indicated to uh, <coughs> The prophet, that the day is coming when you're not going to be able to wall in the church. I'm going to speak prophetically right now. The day is coming when you will have a main facility, your own. And it may be a lot quicker than you think. But the reason the Lord hasn't given it to you yet is because you got 36 campuses that you're sowing seeds into right now. But the time is coming when it's going to start spreading. You're, you're going to need a main facility, and the Lord's going to provide that for you. You sowed some seed here today with that check. But more than that, you've been going out and talking to people. You've been taking the gospel. And by opening... Those doors, the walls are coming down. Hallelujah. This city is also, when I first came to, Sister Shaw and I first came to Mississauga, the signboard said there were 107,000 people. I don't know what you have now, probably over half a million. 825,000. You see, a wall couldn't keep them all in. The Lord has sent you to a larger city, and you're coming from everywhere. I was born and raised eating Indian food, and I had to go to downtown Toronto to find a place to eat it. I was in, we lived on Paisley Boulevard, next street over. And uh, when I came by here a few years ago, it seemed like there was one on every corner. There are people coming from everywhere. You're a proof of that. God's bringing you from different backgrounds and cultures because he said every tribe and every tongue is going to become a part of this kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I be very blunt? I've been a minority all my life. I lived in India for 18 years. I lived in Pakistan for 30 years. I lived in Malaysia for 10 years, and I was the minority. But when I come here, we're all minorities. But together with God, we're the majority. And he's going to use his church to reach the world. Hallelujah. 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 Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 8. 
This is the Lord speaking. And I will encamp. And he said, I'm going to put my tent about mine house because of the army, because of him that passeth by, and because of him that returneth, and no oppressor shall pass through them any more. For now I have seen with my eyes. I'm going to read that in the New Living Translation. I will guard my temple and protect it from invading armies. I am watching closely to ensure that no more foreign oppressors overrun my people's land. What the Lord was saying is, I am going to be a wall of fire around my people. It doesn't matter what oppressor comes. I'm going to be their protection. I'm going to stand up for them. I'm going to take care of them so that they can get the job done that I sent them to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Exodus chapter 14, the children of Israel under Moses were leaving Egypt, and as they came to the Red Sea, they had uh, mountains on two sides. They had the Red Sea in front of them, and Pharaoh had decided he didn't want to lose all his labor. The economy was going to be affected, so he sent his army after them. And uh, so Israel was surrounded, and they didn't know what they were going to do, but it tells us in verse 19, and the angel, this is Exodus chapter 14 and verse 19, the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Now we know during the daytime it was a pillar of cloud, but at nighttime it was a pillar of fire. And the Lord said, I will be a wall of fire round about you. So when the Egyptians started to come after them, at nighttime, that pillar of cloud which had been leading them moved around behind them as a barrier, as a wall against the enemy. This is not a time to be afraid. This is not a time for the church to say, oh me, oh my. But it's a time for the church to recognize God has raised us for this hour. And we're going to be able to get the job done. Hallelujah. We have the power within us. He's put his Holy Spirit within us. The same God that created the heavens and the earth dwells within us. And we go forth with power and anointing. Hallelujah. Praise God. 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm just kind of setting up a, a foundation here for where I really want to go. 2 Kings chapter 6. The king of Syria decided that he was going to attack Israel and he was going to set an ambush. That was his plan. But the problem was that when he went to where he thought the army of Israel was coming, they weren't there. And this happened not once, but two or three times. Finally, he called his counselors in, and he said, one of you is a traitor. 
You're a spy. You've been telling the king of Israel what's going on here. They said, no, no, no. There's a prophet in the city of Dothan. He's telling the king of Israel what's going on. This is the part that excites me because sometimes people think we're weak. You know that the devil's been after us. We say bless his holy name all week. And uh, he's been chasing him, chasing us, and we're just barely keeping ahead of him. I want you to know that the devil's going to run from you. You need to stand and turn and rebuke him and tell him where to get off. Praise God. Praise God. But the Bible tells us that uh, the king of Syria sent his entire army. Now, they didn't have bombs and those kind of things in those days, but they did have chariots. They had archers. They had uh, the, uh, the cavalry and, and all the stuff that, that, that goes with the army of those days. They had everything. And he sent the entire army after one man who was not a soldier. I want you to know how afraid the devil is of a Holy Ghost-filled person. I don't mind telling you, I've preached in 37 nations over the last several years. And everywhere I go there, I know that Satan recognizes who has arrived. Not because I'm Alan Shom, but because I'm Alan Shom Jesus. I'm a part of his family. Praise God. He's with me. And I'm coming to take the kingdom. I am not afraid of a devil anywhere. I have fate, faced the real Satan face to face. I have faced the spirit of Antichrist face to face. I have faced the, the, the spirit of the prince of, of Islam face to face. There's a spirit behind all of these things. There's a, spirit, there's a prince of Canada. Did a lot of fasting and praying here to help tear down strongholds. God has given us power and authority. And so we don't have to be afraid when we go. The Bible said that he sent his whole army. And the servant of Elisha the prophet was trembling in his boots when he woke up in the morning and saw all the chariots on the hillside round about. And he went to the prophet and said, Oh, what are we going to do? He said, How shall we do, my master? Verse 16 of 2 Kings chapter 6. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Uh, I told Brother Claxton when he came in, I said, he still looks like a young man. So he took his glasses off for me to see if I, if I was seeing correctly. Well, you see, a lot of times we don't really see things through the eyes of God. We see things with our eyesight. Now, if I take these things off, you all look like trees walking or sitting. You're all a blur. I can't tell anyone here with my glasses off. But when I put my glasses on, all of a sudden everybody comes into focus. And he was say, the prophet said in, in verse 17, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee 
open his eyes that he may see. Well, I thought he was. No, he wasn't seeing. He was seeing physically. He wasn't seeing what God was getting ready to do. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. The Lord said, I will be a wall of fire round about you. It doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to be afraid. We are a part of the generation that's going to see the end time come. We're a part of the generation that's going to be victorious. I believe the Lord is going to pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. Hallelujah. He's not going to dribble just a little bit here and there, but he's going to turn the bucket upside down and pour it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, that takes care of the protection part. Now I want to get to the part that's the candy stick. Praise God. The part that I feel excited about. Praise God. Praise God. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. I'm reading in verse 1. Jeremiah at this time was a prisoner. And it says in verse, 30, uh, verse 1 of chapter 33, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison. So Jeremiah's in four walls. He's shut up in the court of the prison. Doesn't look very hopeful. The king doesn't like him. And there's a good chance that he might be put to death. But while he's within those four walls, the Lord speaks to him in verse 2. Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Verse 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The Lord said, Jeremiah, don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at your present position. Don't look at where you are right now. But if you look up and call on me, I'm waiting to answer you. And I'm going to show you great and mighty things which you can't even imagine. I want this church to know God's going to show you great and mighty things beyond. You. I can tell your pastor is really, really visionary. He and his wife, they, they're just way out there. But I'm going to tell you something. God's got something even greater. Because our minds are limited. We can only see so far. We can only see so much, but God's got something way beyond that. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to use a, a little uh, illustration. I'm a simple person, so I have to use simple uh, illustrations. That helps me, and I found that most people seem to enjoy it anyway, even if they got a good education. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. I, I learned to preach like this out in the villages in Pakistan because most of the people there don't have education, so you tell them stories and uh, relate to them. And so I'm going to tell you something. that This is what the Lord gave me to show me how powerful he is and what he can do. Now just imagine 
there's a, a little ant walking around on this pulpit. And uh, somehow I can communicate with him. So I tell him, I say, hey, buddy, you think that this pulpit's a big world. But I want to let you know that the world's a whole lot bigger than this. He says, really? What do you mean? Well, you climb on my finger, and we're going to go for a ride. And so I pick him up, and look, and he looks down there. Ooh, that's a long way down. So <laughs> we're just getting started. And I start carrying around. See, see all these people out here? Here's the pastor and his wife. And, and, and look at all those people out there. Oh, wow, I didn't realize that there were so many people in the world. Oh, that's, that's nothing yet. I said, you just wait. Because in a, in a few hours, we're going to be driving across the city here. And you're going to see thousands of houses and cars and all kinds of things that you've never seen before. Wow, I can, I can hardly imagine that. Well, hang with me for a little while. Because on Wednesday, we're going to get in an airplane. And we're going to fly two hours at 500 miles an hour to Chicago. And we're going to pass all kinds of cities where all kinds of people live. And when we get there, we're going to get a car and drive to Wisconsin. And then we're going to fly down to Memphis. And then if you hang with us a little while, we'll come back to Chicago. And then we're flying way up to Alaska. And it's cold up there. We think it's cold here. And then we're going to fly to California over all kinds of territory. And if you'll hang with me for another month, we're going to get on an airplane and fly for 21 hours with one stop to get to the nation of Pakistan. And that's only part of the world. He started out with his vision being this little desk. But God wants us to see things that are way beyond what we have imagined up till now. Our thoughts are not... Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. I like to think big. I mentioned to you, I believe that God's going to give us a billion souls in Asia. But he is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. He's able to do that. He's just waiting for us to open the door. You see, he's able to, but he said it's according to the power that works within us. If we keep the power locked up, nothing happens. If we sit in our seats, nothing happens. But when we unlock the door, when we begin to activate, then the power of God begins to flow through us. If we give him this much to room to move, that's all he can get through. But if we make it a big opening, as big an opening as we can make it, that's how much he'll flow. 
Hallelujah. 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 Okay, now let me bring it down to where we are. I've given you some, some examples and some theory. But now let's bring it down. How many people do you think God is willing to save? Okay, thank you. Because a lot of people, a lot of places, if you would ask them, they would say, if I asked them, how many people in your city could be saved? Somebody that was really stretching it would think, oh, maybe 10%. That'd be good. Well, if you had 10% of 850,000, then you're going to have 85,000 believers. That's a pretty good church. Pretty good size. Well, even if you had it really stretched and had a lot of faith for 50%, then you'd have 425,000 in your church. Pretty good. You'd be giving Paul Yonggi Choi's church a, a ride for their money. You'd start to see things that you hardly expected could happen. That sounds pretty good. That's, that sounds magnificent, in fact. But that's not what the Bible said. Everybody can quote John 3.16. For God so loved 10% of the world. For God so loved 50% of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the will of God. He's not willing that any should perish. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let me take it a little further, step further. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he is not willing that any should perish. That means he's willing that everybody should be saved. So that means the will of God is everybody should be saved. So you don't have to have any doubts in your mind when you talk to somebody. It doesn't matter how they look. doesn't matter where they came from. doesn't matter what their circumstances. He's not willing that they perish. And so you've got the answer for them. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then... I was reading in Colossians one day and I read this scripture and maybe it's just an idiom, I don't know. But I tend to be very, uh, uh, well, I believe exactly what it says. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to read to you from, from Colossians chapter 1 and uh, I'm going to read verse 23. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached 
to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Maybe that's hyperbole. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I tend to think that if the Lord's not willing that any should perish, then he intends for everybody to hear the gospel. And he's allowed us through online technology. I preached all over the world and didn't even leave my, my office. I preached in just about every continent. Didn't go anywhere. I preached to this church. You see, we can now reach people and people are clicking on on YouTube and everywhere and the gospel is starting to reach places where it's against the law for you to even own a Bible. So that's why we preach. That's why you're doing this, message, this uh, service here this morning so that people that might never darken the doors of a church otherwise can hear the gospel and be changed. Praise God. Praise God. So he said uh, that uh, this gospel was preached to every creature. Well, they didn't have technology in Paul's day. They didn't have cars and buses. They didn't have planes. Most of the time they walked. But in spite of that, everybody heard the gospel. Everybody. And I believe that we can do the same thing in our generation. And the Lord picked you and me to do it. Because we are that generation. We are the generation upon whom the ends of the age have come. And God has equipped us to do the job. In 2002, we had been evacuated from Pakistan after 9-11. Uh, there was a lot of uh, disruption in the country. And so we were evacuated. We went to Fredericton. Uh, Brother Woodward had become pastor there uh, about seven or eight months prior to our arrival. And uh, <clears throat> that's where we became good friends. But uh, while we were there, uh, they had a missions convention. Since we're already attending their church, Brother Woodward said, why don't you uh, be the missionary for this particular conference? And so I can remember, and uh, I was sitting, in those days they still had uh, people sitting on the platform that were speaking, so I was sitting at the side, and uh, they started singing, the choir started singing a song. I'd never heard it before, but uh, probably you've heard it uh, about... Uh, What was that? We speak to nations. Thank you. That's why I keep Sister Sham close because uh, she's my. <coughs> we speak to nations. Be open. We speak to nations. Be free. Now that was 2002, November. And while I was sitting there listening to them sing, they started speaking out, Lord, open Saudi Arabia. The, 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 the assistant pastor, Brother Lehman, said, Lord, open Saudi Arabia. Lord, open, and he started naming all these different countries. And the Holy Ghost started moving on me, and I opened my Bible, and I just happened to, to open to the book of Psalms, uh, Psalm uh, 2 and verse 8. And uh, I began to read it. And it was as though the Lord and I were having a personal conversation. And this is what he said in Psalm 2 and 8. Ask of me, 
And I shall give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. That's what he said. And I was startled when I read it. And then the Lord said something which was absolutely amazing, astounding. He said, because at that point we had already had two meetings where we saw 3,000 people receive the Holy Ghost in a single service. I had asked the Lord from the time I was a teenager, Lord, let me see the day of Pentecost. I'd heard my mom talk about revival in her days growing up as a young person in Western Canada. And I thought, Lord, I want to see the day of Pentecost. And we had seen it twice at that point. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Alan, you've been asking to see the day of Pentecost. I let you see it not once, but twice. He said, now what do you want? There was absolutely no limitation. What do you want? Well, that number started going through like this. And I thought, I better grab one of those quick before this gets crazy. And I said, okay, Lord, give... I want to see half a billion souls saved in Asia over the next several years. Well, I had to repent, and I did later amend that and ask him for a billion. And I've been saying that for several years now, and I believe that God's going to give us a billion souls in the nation of Asia. And I believe in Mississauga. The Lord is going to give you tens of thousands. Hallelujah. Probably more than that because he's going to do more than I can think. And my mind is pretty small. We're living in a time right now where God's getting ready to do something the world has never seen before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, the apostles saw the Holy Ghost outpoured. But the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. In fact, it said in the prophet Joel that... Not only would the latter rain be poured out, but the former rain would be poured out together with it. So you're going to get the former and latter rain together at the end of time. The Lord is going to pour out of His Spirit now. Probably folks in this place have relatives in a lot of different parts of the world. People that have not heard the gospel. But God has allowed you to come here and to receive the gospel so that you can send it back to them. Hallelujah. God is going to use churches that open themselves like you have to reach the world. This is not a time to just be circling the wagons. It's not a time to build walls. But it's time for the church to step out in faith, understanding that the Lord is on our side. He's a wall of fire round about us. He has anointed his church, and we can go forth with power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Praise God. Everywhere I have gone, when I expressed a vision God had given me, told, people told me, well, it won't work here. Every place. So... 
I have a little talk with the Lord after somebody mentions that, and I say, Lord, did you hear what they said? That you can't do this. That you're limited. The God that we serve doesn't have that kind of power. Let's show them. And because I'm his partner, I get to be a part of it. Now, I'm not doing much of it, but I'm going to do everything I can. And the Lord wants each one of us to be a part of it. He put his finger on you. That's why you're here. There's all kinds of people in this city that don't know about this. But the Lord put his finger on you. And he's saying, you can do something about it. You can make a difference. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can help change the world. Who knows, maybe you only reach one person. But that person becomes an evangelist that impacts thousands. Why not? You've done your part. But each one of us needs to do something. Praise God. Each one of us needs to do something. And if you just open your heart to him and say, okay, Lord, here I am. God's going to get it done anyway. So I've decided I might as well be a part of it. Why not? It's going to be the biggest thing going. Nothing's, nothing can compare to what the Lord is getting ready to do. What's happening in Ukraine right now? The Bible talks about Russia in the last days. It's directly, uh, Moscow's directly north of Jerusalem. And we see other nations gathering against Israel, the sign of the times. We understand that, that the Lord is coming soon. So it's not a time for us to be afraid and, oh, what's going to happen now? But it's a time, Jesus said, to lift up your eyes because your redemption draws nigh. Praise God. And he wants to use you in his harvest field. You know the story of how the, how the man went, went out, the, the, the owner of the vineyard. He went out in the morning, and uh, it was early in the morning. And I can picture this because culture, the culture in Pakistan is very similar to Bible culture. And I, I go for a walk every morning. It's a little colder here than it was in Malaysia and Pakistan, but uh, I still do it. But I, I would go for a walk early in the morning, and there would be usually Afghan refugees sitting on the sidewalk with a shovel, or a pickaxe or some kind of a tool. And they were waiting for somebody to come and hire them for daily wages. After I would circle around and do my walk, some of them would be gone, the healthier ones. But sometimes I would drive one or two in the afternoon, and there's still a few of them sitting around. They hadn't been chosen that day. So I can picture very clearly what happened is this this man went and, and he probably got the healthiest ones in the, in the beginning. And he said, come on, we're gonna, we, we need your help. I've got a big harvest there. Though, oh, that vineyard's full and, and we need to do what we can. 
After about two or three hours, he saw, okay, I don't have enough workers. And he went back and got more. And then again, three hours later, and again, three hours later. And finally, at five o'clock in the evening, he went, and there were only the halt, the lame, and the blind left. And he said, I need you too. Guess what? You don't have an excuse. The Lord's looking for you even if you feel halt, lame, and blind. The Lord's looking for you because the harvest is great and he's looking for laborers. Sorry, I'm a missionary, so I'm talking to you about it. But actually, it's the mission of the church. It's the mission of the whole church. We've got to do it. Brother Resar, God's going to use you in, a, in opening doors. When you go to Asia, you will face difficulties. You will face obstacles. But if you will push through, you're going to see something mighty happen. Your wife's going to be with you. She'll help you. Hallelujah. Because one will put a thousand to flight. Two doesn't, don't put two thousand. They put ten thousand to flight. God's mathematics are different than ours. Hallelujah. 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 I know that, that I haven't preached about healing and, and the Holy Ghost. But this is part of the harvest, too. I imagine not everybody has the Holy Ghost yet in this room. And if you want the Holy Ghost to be a part of what's going to happen in the end time, we're inviting you to come right now. Praise God. In Pakistan, we don't even give altar calls. People rush. While you're still talking, they come rushing to the front because they're hungry. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.